appreciate the presence of everyone. We have visitors with us. We're glad you're here and hope you can come back and be with us again. Last Lord's Day, we talked about the quality and the principle of being long-suffering and how a Christian is to be long-suffering. We want to take another quality tonight and talk about honesty. Honesty is something that is praised by everyone, even people who are dishonest. You'll find even people who may be liars themselves will commend the principle of honesty. We say things like, honesty is the best policy. Or maybe we say things like, thank you for being honest with me. That may be stated by somebody that's not really honest themselves. Or someone may say, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be honest with you. And then they say whatever they need to say. Suggesting this is really the best thing is to be honest. Or someone may say, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. And what they're saying is honesty is indeed the best thing. We may commend somebody who says something, maybe it's harsh. Maybe it was something that hurt our feelings, and yet we say, you know what, at least she's being honest. As if that is a great thing, and it is a great thing. It is a commendable thing. And yet we're surrounded in our society by so much dishonesty. All around us there is dishonesty. There's all kind of lying, all kind of misrepresentation. There's cheating, there's corruption, there's broken promises, there's covering up of sin and of crime, there's stealing, there's embezzlement, there's misleading and taking advantage of others, and that's just the beginning of the list of dishonesty. We are surrounded by dishonesty. Honesty is not just a commendable thing to do, that it's nice to do that. You don't have to be honest, but it's better if you are. It's not merely something we use occasionally. We pull it out of, out of reserve and say, I think this would be a good occasion where I might use that. But it should be developed as part of our character, deep-rooted in our characters we're going to be seeing this evening. Our second president, John Adams, who was the first to live in the White House, said, I pray heaven bestow the best of blessings on this house and on all who shall hereafter inhabit it. May none but the honest and wise men ever rule under this roof. Well, it was a good thought anyway, whether it was ever fulfilled or not, that men ought to be honest who rule in that house. In other words, honesty is a commendable theme. We're going to raise four questions tonight about honesty. We're going to raise the question of what is honesty? Is it really deep-rooted in your character? How do I make application to my life of honesty? How does it fit with my life? I don't lie, I don't just tell, tell bold-faced lies, but is there other, are there other areas where honesty fits in my life? And then, last of all, how do I instill it in my children as I want to teach them to be honest? Let's raise the question of what is honesty? What is honesty? What are we talking about when we talk about honesty? What come to pass it? Does it deal with that? And we'll allude to some of them in our definition here in just a moment. The English Dictionary, American Heritage Dictionary, and I won't read every word of these quotations and bore you with that, but we'll read the highlighted part that honesty, according to American Heritage, of the word honest, means marked by or displaying truthfulness and integrity, upright, not deceptive or fraudulent, genuine, such as an honest weight, such as an honest measurement. Well... Dictionary.com says the word honest means being honorable in principles, honorable in intentions and actions, upright and fair, showing uprightness and fairness, genuine and unadulterated, 
truthful, incredible, respectable. We'll pull all of these together and list some summaries in just a moment. Well, one of the things we see in that is it involves integrity. Let's talk about this word integrity. What does integrity mean? Come back to Oxford says integrity is the quality of being honest and morally upright, the state of being whole. That's interesting. The state of being whole or unified, soundness of construction. You may talk about the integrity of this, the walls in this building. They're solid. In other words, they're true. And so this building has integrity. It doesn't have moral principles, but it has integrity. Well, Merriam-Webster said that the etymology of this word comes from a Latin word which means entire. Now, that's what's interesting to me, that it means entire. It's the state or quality of being complete and undivided. You see, when I don't have integrity in my speech and I am dishonest, there is something missing there. So when I am full and complete and entire, there is integrity in what I say and in what I do. That's the idea of integrity. Now, there are two Greek words that I want to talk about. One, according to Vines, uh, that is found in, you'll see in the listing of passages, like doing things honorable in the sight of all men, Romans chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, of honest behavior, 1 Peter 2. We'll come to those passages a little bit later. This word simply means good and admirable and becoming. It means fair and right and honorable of such conduct as deserves esteem. So if someone is honorable and they live an honorable life, they live an honest life that's worthy of esteem, worthy of praise, regarded with honor, of things that are regarded with esteem. And we'll see more about that in the context of some of those passages in a moment. There's another word, though, that is found like in Acts 6, men of honest report, that it means august or venerable, nobly serious. Here were the seven men that were to be appointed to seeing after these widows. They were to be of honest report. They were to be nobly serious, according to Vines. They were to be venerable men, honorable men is the idea. Now let's get a summary of what we just saw. We're trying to get a concept. What does it mean to be honest? It has the idea of being honorable, being truthful, being genuine, being fair, being credible, having integrity. That's what's involved in being honest. Now here's some quotations from secular writers about honesty, not so much as a definition, but giving us a concept of how honesty and integrity works. Spencer Johnson said, integrity is telling myself the truth and honesty is telling truth to other people. I like that. Do you have integrity? You're honest with yourself. Are you honest? You're honest with other people. Thomas Jefferson said, honesty is the first chapter in the book of wisdom. You want to be wise? Be honest, in other words. Shakespeare said, no legacy is so rich as honesty. When you're dead and gone, if people could say, I'll tell you one thing, they may not have been rich, may not have been educated, but I'll tell you what, they were honest. That's one of the greatest statements they can make concerning you. Mary Kay Ash said, honesty is the cornerstone of all success, without which confidence in the ability to perform shall cease to exist. I say amen. Honesty is the backbone or the foundation of all relationships in all areas of life. If you picture honesty as that foundation, and then relationships are built on top of that, if you are dishonest, relationships fall apart. That happens in the marriage, that happens in the church, that happens in business. So all relationships are rooted in and based upon a solid foundation of honesty. There's an American proverb that said, honesty is like an icicle. Once it melts, that is the end 
of it. One writer said integrity is doing what's right when no one is looking. And that indeed is the truth. Now I know what honesty is and we have a general idea of what honesty is. Let's raise the question, is it in your character? In other words, as we mentioned a moment ago, honesty is not just something that's on the shelf and if I need it, I'll go grab that and I'll use it in this circumstance because I want to display honesty, but is it deep-rooted in my character where I carry it with me everywhere I go? I don't just pull it off the shelf when I need that. Is it deep-rooted in my character? Well, it is to be rooted in my character and what we mean by that, it is not merely something I have to prove. It is not merely something that I parade to help some circumstance or situation. It's not something I occasionally use for some advantage, but when we say it's in our character, what we're talking about is part of what makes you what you are. It is part of your being. It's in your character. It's one of the attributes that well describes you in all of your life. It's part of the nature that you carry with you wherever you may go. It's in your temperament. That's the idea of it being in your character. Now let's open our Bibles and look at some passages that honesty is part of the Christian character. If you're going to develop the character of a Christian and what God wants us to be, then we're going to have to have honesty in all aspects of life. Now some of the wording is based upon the King James wording of this, though the, the principle is the same no matter which translation we're using. Let's turn to 1 Timothy, if you will, chapter 2 and in verse 2. Here in talking about prayer and who we should pray for, that we should pray for kings and for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, the new King James says, or honesty, the King James says. And we'll say more about that context here in a moment. So we're to live a life of reverence, life to be esteemed, or a life of honesty, as the King James so worded that. So we're to live a life of honesty. We're just getting before us the general principle God expects us to be honest people. We're to do things honest. We're to live honorable and honest in the sight of all men. Let's go to Romans 12. Now, interesting about this passage, this is in the context of relationships. The whole chapter is devoted to the Christian and his relationships to fellow man, to his enemy, etc. But notice in Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good in the sight of all men. The King James would say provide things honest or live honorable in the sight of all men. So we should be honest in the whole manner of life. Let's notice another passage, 2 Corinthians 8 and in verse 21, providing honorable things. Here is that word, concept of honorable, one of the words we defined earlier, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So conduct yourself honorably and honestly in the sight of all men. Well, the manner of life in which we live is to be honest. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 12 having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, don't give, don't give the world, don't give the heathen an opportunity to be justified in their criticism of you. Live honorably in the sight of the Gentiles, in the sight of all men. Well, I'll learn from 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and in verse 7, that we are to be honest even when others are not honest. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 13 and in verse 7. Now I pray God that you do no evil, not that you should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may be disqualified. 
But it's no matter what other people may be doing, no matter if others are dishonest towards you, they're lying to you, they're deceiving you, you be honest with them is the expectation that God has for us. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 17 may make that point even clearer. We're to be honorable in the sight of all men. So we're among all men, we're to be honorable and to be honest. Integrity, Proverbs says, is better than riches. Let's go over to Proverbs, the 19th division, and in verse 1. Better is the poor man who walks in his integrity than one who, uh, than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. So it's better to be, have poverty rather than riches. Po in other words, integrity is worth more than any riches that we may have. So what I'm learning is that's part of the Christian character. God wants us to be honest. And let's talk about the benefits of honesty. The benefits of honesty is it will be content. And I quickly cite that passage. There were not to be covetous, but be content, the text says. Well, one who is covetous is one who is really not being honest. And so if you are not covetous, you're being honorable and honest, then you are going to be content as per that text. Well, we notice 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10 that we are 2 and verse 2 that we're to live, uh, we're to pray for kings and all in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And so if I am honest, then I'm going to live this quiet and a peaceable life. That's part of at least what contributes to a quiet and peaceable life. Go to Acts chapter 6 and in verse 3. In choosing those seven men, it wasn't just any seven men. The requirements of the apostles was not that pick you out seven men, any six, seven men will do, but find men of honest report, of honorable report, who are, who, who are esteemed, who are worthy of esteem. So if I live an honest life, then I could be trusted with responsibility. People will trust me if I'm honest. If I'm not honest, people won't trust me. That's part of the benefit of honesty. We live with a good conscience and a clear conscience. Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 18. So now I know what honesty is, and I know it's to be rooted in my character. Not just something, again, I pull off the shelf, but it's rooted deep in my character. Carry it with me everywhere I go. Let's talk about how we make application of honesty. Someone may be sitting here tonight thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm honest because I don't tell bald-faced lies. I've had people lie to me, and so I don't ever do that. But there may be some other areas where I may not truly be honest. How does it fit and apply to us? Well, first of all, we need to be honest with ourselves. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's look at a couple of passages. And I want us to understand something that we probably know well. If not, we need to know well, and that is it's possible to deceive myself. In other words, it's possible to be dishonest with ourselves. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 18, let no one deceive himself. That means it's possible. If anyone amongst you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may be wise. But notice his first phrase, let no one deceive himself. It's possible I could be lying or deceiving myself. You recall the passage in 1 John chapter 1 and in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's possible to deceive ourselves. How so? Well, it may be that I seek to protect myself from reality. I, I don't like the picture of reality, so I tell myself it's a different picture. It may be the reality about myself. It may be the reality about my family. Uh, Whatever is going on in the world, I tell myself a different story. I'm not being honest with myself. I may seek to make a bad situation better for the moment. This is a bad circumstance, but I want it to look better, so I tell myself it's really better than what it is. Or maybe I refuse to accept the truth. 
Or it may be simply that I refuse to accept the situation that we're in. Or it may be that I refuse to acknowledge sin or a mistake or some error that I have made. And I refuse to acknowledge that. And so I'm deceiving myself. So if we're going to be honest, we first of all start with, with being honest with ourselves. Here's another area where we make application of the principle. I need to tell the truth and simply don't lie. Now that ought to be among a group of Christians, people who go to church most of the time, that we, we shouldn't even have to make that point, but there are Christians who sometimes will just outright tell a lie. And they are dishonest. Well, let's look at some passages that remind us of the principle that we're to put away lying. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and look at verse 25. In talking about putting off the old man, don't, don't do what the old man used to do. He said, therefore, put away lying. If you are lying and you're telling the, the falsehood and you're telling lie after lie, put it away, throw it aside. Have nothing to do with that. Let's emphasize that point again by going this time to Colossians chapter 3 and notice in verse 9. Do not lie to one another. These pretty simple forward passages. Put away lying, don't lie to one another. Lying is, is, is out. The truth may not always be easy to tell. And that's why we're tempted to lie. Don't craft your words with the intent to mislead. We'll say more about that in a moment. In other words, the words that I utter may be truthful, but I crafted them in such a way I am intending to mislead the person and cause them to think something that is false. That also is lying. Don't craft your words so to mislead. It might be done in the selling of a product. I had an uncle used to sell cars back when he uh, had different types of odometers on them, and he would take a brand new car that he was going to sell a little bit later, and he'd He'd unhook the speedometer and drive it for several thousand miles and then put the speedometer back together. And then he would say, I can guarantee you, I've been driving that car. The miles have not been rolled back on that car. That was true. But they hadn't been rolled forward either. That's dishonest. That's lying. But what he said, the statement is true. So in selling a product, don't craft your word to mislead your, your, the person that's buying from you. Or maybe when you're telling what you've done, maybe you're bolstering yourself and making yourself look better, but what you say is actually true, but you've left the impression that things are different than what they really are. That's not honest. Or maybe when I'm reporting what someone else has done, I'm wanting to paint them in a worse light. I don't have information, but I'm, I'm making the situation look worse by the crafting of my words. That also is dishonest. Here's another area where we make application. Do what you promise. How can I be honest? I can do what I've promised to do. The Bible warns us, and let's start with Ecclesiastes 5. The Bible gives us an abundance of warning and about being careful of the vows we make because when we've made a vow or we've made a promise that we're obligated to fulfill the vow. Look at Ecclesiastes 5 beginning at verse 4. He said, when you make a vow to God, do not lay to, de delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Right, stop there for a moment. God equates one who makes a vow and doesn't fulfill it with a fool. Pay what you have vowed, better not to vow than to vow and not pay. In other words, God expects us to fulfill 
our vows, whatever that vow, you say, I know that, that's Old Testament. That is Old Testament, but it was the principle of honesty. That honesty demands you do what you've promised, and the same principle is found in the New Testament. But let's go to, again to another Old Testament passage, this time to the book of Deuteronomy. And let's go to the 23rd division of Deuteronomy, look at verse 21 and 22. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and uh, it would be, uh, be sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be a sin to you. In other words, you don't have to make the vow, but if you make the vow, you're obligated to fulfill it. So how does honesty fit with this? I need to do what I've made a promise to do. Don't make rash promises. Let's go to the book of Proverbs 20 and verse 25. Proverbs, the 20th division, verse 25, said, It is a snare for a man to, de to devote, rash, uh, devote rashly something as holy and afterward could reconsider his vows. In other words, in the moment of, of just making a rash decision, he makes a promise, he makes a vow, and then he says, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. That's foolish, the proverb writer says. In other words, do what you say you're going to do. That's honesty. That's honesty, to do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to be somewhere at a certain time, be there. Because that's what you said you would do. Now, nothing wrong with not, you know, I'm not going to make a promise that I'll come. That's one thing. But I promise I'm coming. And I'm going to be there by 10 o'clock. I made a promise to you. That's honesty. If you accept a dinner, dinner invitation, go. You said they'd come. Go. You just made a promise. If you offer to pay for something, pay. I'll buy that and I'll pay for that. Then when the time comes, you don't pay for it. You just made a promise. Honesty says you do what you say you're going to do. If you give a price, honor it. You said you'd sell it for so much, and they're standing there, now you sell it for that. Don't say, oh, well, I've changed my mind. You made a promise. You said you'd sell it for that. Sell it. If you, for example, make plans, you keep them. You do what you plan. If you say you're going to do a task, you do it. That's honesty. You made a vow. Do what you promise that you're going to do. Here's another application of honesty. Don't flatter. No one appreciates the concept of one who flatters. Nobody appreciates that. Look at Proverbs 28 and verse 23. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with the tongue. Now, when you rebuke a person, you may not find a lot of favor from him, but that's going to be a lot better than when you flatter and people realize, you know what, they were just flattering me. They were inflating things. They were overpraising me for their benefit, not for mine. Let's go to the next division, Proverbs 29, and look at verse 5. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Better be careful because flatter is not true honesty. Don't give praise or compliments that's not genuine. Don't rush to someone and start heaping praises on them because you're wanting something from them, but you don't really mean those praises. You don't mean those compliments because that's dishonest. That's dishonest. Don't exaggerate or falsely commend. When someone didn't do a great job, don't commend them saying, oh, you did a great job. You're being dishonest. Not if they didn't do a great job. Don't commend them. when You don't have to say a thing, but you don't have to lie either. Don't flatter. Here's something else. Make your word mean something. 
Now let's go to a passage in Matthew chapter 5, and we'll go to the same thing over in James chapter 5. Listen carefully to this because this is missing among a number of Christians. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 37. What is Matthew 5, 33 to 37 talking about? Well, it's talking about taking oaths. I'm convinced that it's dealing with common oaths. Some think it refers to all oaths. Whatever you think on that, when we get to the end, it's going to mean the same thing. But I think he's talking about common oaths where one has to, instead of just making a, an oath, then he has to swear by a certain thing in order for it to be binding. But if he, if he vows uh, by, or makes an oath by something else, then it's not binding. Or if I promise to do something, it's not binding unless I swore that I'd do that. Now it's binding. That idea of common oaths. Here's what Jesus said about that. In contrast to that, I'm interested in verse 37. He said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Whatever is more than these is from the evil one. What's he mean by that? I shouldn't have to put my hand on a Bible and raise my right hand and say, I'm swearing I'm telling the truth. Or I'm swearing I'm going to do that. I vow that I will do that for someone to accept it as being true. My yes should mean yes and my no should mean no. Let's go to James chapter 5, see if the same principle is not there. James chapter 5, let's see some compounding evidence. James 5 and verse 12. The text says, but above all, brethren, do not swear either by heaven or earth by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. It ought to be that when you say yes, it means yes, and when you say no, it means no. That's shameful when this is said about some Christians, and it is sometimes. I wouldn't put much stock in what he or she says. Have you ever said that about a fellow Christian? Has someone ever said that about you? I wouldn't put much stock in what they say. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, they, they, they say a lot of things, and, and they don't follow through with that. They, they say things, but they don't always mean what they say. It's shameful when it's said about a Christian, you can't depend on him or her to do what they say. I know they said they would, but, but they'll never get around to doing that. They won't do what they say. They said they'd be there, but they won't be there. It's a shame when you say about some Christian, I wouldn't believe it just because he said it. That may not be true. Or I'll believe that he'll do that when I see it. I know he said he would, but I don't believe he'll ever do it. I don't believe he'll, I don't believe he'll do what he said unless I see it happen. When I do, then I'll believe that. It's shameful when you said you better get that in writing because I don't believe they're going to do what they say. Let your yes be yes and you know no. Honesty means you do make your word mean something. Here's something else it means. Honesty means you pay what you owe. It means you pay your taxes. Romans chapter 17, or chapter 13, 1 to 7. Let's turn to Romans chapter 13. We won't read those in that entire section. Not only does the text talk about being subject to the higher powers, but let's drop down to verse 7. Render, therefore, to all their due. Here's something that is due and that you're obligated to pay. Taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom custom, and fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. That is, we as Christians, we might not agree with how the money is being spent. We may not agree with the tax rate. But the text tells me that I should pay my taxes. If I owe that, I need to pay my taxes. Here's something else. I need to pay my debts. Owe no man anything but to love. In other words, here's a debt that you'll never get paid off. All other debts you need to pay off. So if I owe you $100, I need to pay you $100. If I owe the bank $100, I need to pay them $100. If I owe the government $100, I need to pay them $100. Whatever I owe, I need to pay. Owe no man anything but to love. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28 let him that stole steal no more. If I don't pay my debt, I'm stealing from them. Honesty means I pay. 
So what I need to do is I need to practice honesty, whether it's practicing it with myself, telling others the truth and not lying, or doing what I promise or not flattering, making my word mean something or paying my debts. I need to practice honesty so it becomes my habit and my nature, and I don't think twice about what I'm going to say or do. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to do what I say. I'm going to pay my debts. That's a principle of honesty. Let's look at our fourth and final principle and raise this question. How do I instill that? You say, I like this principle of honesty. I like what you're talking about, doing what you say, keeping your word. Not, I got that. But I, I wish I knew how to instill that in my children as I'm raising them. I'd, I'd like to know how, how do you teach honesty to your children? How do I do that? How do I instill it in others? Here's the first thing. Be an example to them. We all know that children learn by what they see. We've repeatedly recently talked about as a mother, and so is the daughter, that proverb of Ezekiel chapter 16, 44. Children learn by what they see. They know whether or not you are being honest with them. They know when you're being dishonest with others. Let them see principles of honesty. They need to see you being honest in the smallest of areas. They need to see that honesty in the smallest of areas. Go to great lengths to be honest and fair. We've all heard stories of Honest Abe, who in business years ago, long before he became president, he walked several miles to return just a few cents that he accidentally overcharged a customer. And thus earns the name of Honest Abe. Be honest in the smallest of areas. Let them see you giving fair treatment to other people. In other words, your children around you will see that you gave people the benefit of the doubt. You could have taken advantage of the circumstance, but this was an occasion where you gave them the benefit of the doubt. Let them see, the, see that you treat your enemy with fairness just like you treat everyone else. That you're as fair in dealing with others as you are your own family and your own friends. Here's someone that's not a close friend, but you're fair to them just like you are your close friend. Let them see that. You're going to teach them the principle of honesty. There's a Jewish proverb that says, what you don't see with your eyes, don't witness with your mouth. Think about that one and you'll get the point later if not already. Children need to see the example that you keep promises to them. What do I mean by that? Be where you say you're going to be. You tell them you're going to be at school with them. For the play, you can be there at the school play. You tell them they're going to come to their game. You go to their game. You be where you say you'll be. You do what you promise to do. They understand the principle of honesty. You take them where you promise to take them. You take them, you said, I'll take you to the park. You take them to the park. You made that promise. They understand a promise. They understand what that means. You play what you promise to play. You promise to play ball this afternoon after work. You play ball after work because you promised. If you don't have time, don't promise. But if you made a promise, you do what you say. Because they learn the principle of honesty by how you treat them. Here's something else I can do. Not only be an example, but I can praise and I can com com commend honesty in the children. That's part, by the way, of bringing them up in the way they should go. Train a child in the way they should go. That's part of training. I'm going to commend honesty. Even when that honesty demands some punishment be due. They just told on themselves, and I must punish them for that. I need to commend that honesty even when that punishment is due. Make the honesty work to their benefit. Because you are honest with me, because you are being forthright with me, there's a benefit to you for being honest. Let them see there's a benefit to honesty. There's something else I can do. I can correct and punish dishonesty in the household. 
That's part of training them in the way they should go. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Punishment is due for foolish behavior. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Well, part of that is lying. Part of that is being dishonest. Make lying a heinous crime in your house. Not just something that we shouldn't do that in this house. We don't like lying in this house. Make it a heinous crime that you hate and they hate and they despise. We're not going to be dishonest in this house. Here's the fourth thing we can do. How do I instill honesty? Look for teachable moments with your children. How so? Well, that's part of training. Of Proverbs 22 and in verse 6. It might be when others have lied that I might sit and talk to my children. Here's a case where somebody lied to us. Maybe they lied about this product we bought. They lied to us about what we just have have received. Uh, A friend just lied to us and told us some wrong information. And the children know about that. It's a teachable moment. Tell them, here's the danger of lying. Here's the problem with lying. Here's how disappointed we are. Or maybe when others have shaded the truth just a little bit. Maybe maybe they're shading the truth. Or maybe it's that they have misled others with true statements as we talked about a moment ago. See, what they said, son, is true. But they misled us. We don't do that. That's a teachable moment in raising your children. When others didn't keep their word, that's a teachable moment. We don't do that. We want to keep our word, don't we? We made promises. They made promises. They didn't keep their word, but we want to keep our word. It's a teachable moment. When someone is incredibly honest, we may flag that for our children to see. Did you notice that honesty? Did did you take note? They are incredibly honest with us. They dealt honorably with us. That's a teachable moment. Here's something else I might do. I might reverse the situation and raise this question to my children. How would you want others to treat you? Matthew 7, verse 12, the golden rule. How would you want others to treat you? Would you want others to lie to you? No, I don't want that. So well, then we don't need to be lying. Would you want others to mislead you with true statements? No, I don't want to be misled, even though it's a true statement. Then don't you mislead others with true statements. Don't craft your words in such a way. Would you want others to treat you fairly? Yeah, then I want to be treated fairly. Do you want others to keep their word, keep their promise? When they made a promise, you want them to keep, well, then you to keep your word and your promise. Would you want others to keep their commitments to you? Someone said they're coming to your house, they're coming to dinner, they're doing whatever, they've made a commitment. You want them to keep that commitment? Well, then you keep your commitment to them. Would you want others to take advantage of you? Then no, you don't want to do that then for others either. So what have we seen tonight? Honesty. Like the principle of long-suffering should be a character principle that we have deep-rooted in our character. We ought to be long-suffering people. We ought to be honest people. What is honesty? Is it in your character? How do we apply it? And how do we instill honesty in others? Here's an honesty test question. You might ask yourself the question, whenever you're faced with a circumstance where there is a temptation, maybe to shade the truth. Maybe to take true principles and and direct them in such a way and craft them so that I lead the person in another direction. Or maybe to outright tell a lie. Maybe to misrepresent something. The question would be, what would an incredibly honest person do in this circumstance? Someone that I think of as being incredibly honest. What would they do? You say, well, I know what they would do. Then that's what I need to be doing as well. I need to be incredibly honest. God expects that of us. 
There may be one more present this evening who's not a Christian, who's not a child of God. Would you come tonight believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you repent of your sins, acknowledge the faith that you have in Christ, and be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins? If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and sing?